Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. So, the Kingdom of God. Uh, For the last months we've been going through the book of Matthew, and uh, has the theme been following the king to his kingdom, I think. Is that right? Anybody know? Is that right? Pretty close, okay. So, the kingdom of God. If we think about it, it's a rather abstract idea. I can't touch it. I can't see it. So how how are we to follow the promised king into his kingdom? Have you... Do you think about that at all? How are we to follow the promised king into his kingdom? How do we know we're on the right path? What would, could, or does keep us from this life in the kingdom? Am I in the kingdom now? Is the kingdom simply the place I go when I die? What do I do until that time? If Jesus really is the king, what does he want? What does he expect? What is he inviting you and I to? Let me see if I can answer at least one of those questions this morning. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. As we've been looking at what Jesus has to say in the the Gospels, we see that actually the Jewish religious leaders were not doing a very good job. In fact, they were messing it up. They had missed it. In other words, Jesus' message could be condensed into this, at least towards the religious leaders. The way you are doing it, such as practicing it, presenting it, telling it, spreading it, living it, is not actually the way of my kingdom. You are not accurately representing my Father's kingdom. And to Jesus, it matters. In fact, I think we can say it matters a lot. So here's one of the struggles. There are some very, very attractive, alternative, rival kingdoms. Here's another struggle. The rival kingdoms are more tangible, alluring, and to one degree, after they have dulled us, the rival kingdoms, they seem more appealing. So the title of my message this morning is An Invitation to a Better Way to Live. And our main text this morning is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But let's look at the context. Matthew 6, 25 through 33. Are we ready? How are we doing, Kendra? Okay, here we go. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In all these things will be added to you. So in the midst of all the things to seek after, food, drink, clothing, Jesus told them to seek first the kingdom of God. It's interesting that Jesus speaks into our most basic human needs. I mean, those are pretty basic, aren't they? <laughs> food, drink, clothing. If we work a job, which probably many of you do, most of us do, our purpose for going to, to work is first and foremost to supply these basic needs. So what was Jesus desiring? It might surprise you to know that I'm a builder. I come from a long line of builders on both sides of my family. On my mother's side, my, my grandparents came from very difficult uh, circumstances uh, from England. On my father's side, my grandma's parents came to the UP or the Upper Peninsula of Michigan from Sweden under very difficult circumstances. And they were all builders. They were all building their own kingdoms. Unfortunately, my English grandpa became an alcoholic, and my English grandma was very nice in public, but very harsh in the home. On the Swedish side, my grandpa became an alcoholic, and my grandma was very kind, but spiritually very confused, and raised her children in the Mormon church. This all affected my parents and formed how they would build their kingdoms. My parents were good folks and I loved them dearly, but their kingdoms were a mess and their kingdoms greatly clashed with one another. Too many of my memories are filled with the sounds of fighting and my mother screaming late into the night. So there I was, here I am, Mike the Builder. How would I build my kingdom? And by kingdom, this is what I mean. All of the self-made strategies I adopt and implement to make my life work. Let me say that again. When we think of our own kingdoms, this is how we, what it means. All of the self-made strategies, I put in, we adopt 
and implement to make our lives work. Larry Crabb describes it this way. As children, we discover that life has pain and that pain is to be avoided. So we begin building our kingdom to make our life work. Begins at childhood. You've already seen it happen, if you have children. <laughs> the problem, we build our own kingdom, first of all, with our willfulness, like I talked about a little while ago. We build our own kingdom to make our life work without God in the picture. It is our kingdom. We have designed it. We know it. We have found comfort in it. We have forged our identity in it. We are deeply vested into it. So what went into Mike's kingdom? What went into my kingdom? With all the instability in our home, my need of gaining control went into my kingdom. And the reality is control is central in all of our kingdoms. That's why surrender and humility are not options for us as believers. With all the strong emotions, shutting down and dismissing strong emotions went into my kingdom. With all the shame, finding ways to get affirmation went into my kingdom. With my love for fun and freedom, rebelliousness went into my kingdom. With a deep sense of insecurity, performance went into my kingdom. And from the outside, everyone thought we were the model family. My mother was very involved in church. Image was everything. So my kingdom, a disrespect for image, and a strong drive, desire for what is real. Although sadly, in a way that often in me became hypocritical. So in many ways, my kingdom helped me to succeed, to find success. But in many other ways, my kingdom distorted my view of others and distorted my view of God. And here's the big one. I had no idea how attached I was to my kingdom. We are kingdom builders. Anything and everything can become our kingdom. Our doctrinal stance, our political stance, our ability to win, our ability to succeed, our ability to pout, our victim mentality, our need to be heroic, our families, our jobs, our past. We are all, every one of us, not them out there, every one of us are attached to our kingdoms. We have all found a way to make our life work. In my kingdom, in the kingdom of this world, or the kingdoms of this world, they feed off of each other. They become enmeshed and entwined. They strengthen each other. They help each other. They develop this kind of 
relationship. And to all this kingdom building and all this work that we've invested, Jesus stood and he said, seek first the kingdom of God. We have no idea. I think we can't comp comprehend exactly what he was saying to, to us. If you don't know me well, I actually work for a mission agency called TEAM. We served many years overseas, and now I in the, I'm in the area of spiritual vitality. And I've been developing this area of spiritual vitality and the training of new missionaries who are getting ready to go overseas. It didn't exist before. So for the past 10 years, it has been an uphill climb and a lot of traveling for me to develop this within our organization. Slowly, there's been buy-in, and it now is actually the very core of the training for new missionary appointees with team, new missionary, those getting trained to go overseas in our face-to-face -face training. And these people are launched to go serve around the world. And as I travel, I run into them and they come to me, Mike, I'm so glad that you taught us what you did and it was so meaningful to me. The problem, the past few years I have had an, an apprentice. And the time came when I felt the Lord whisper to me, Mike, it's time to turn this over. I didn't want to. I decided we could do it together. But I knew it was time to turn it over. But I knew what would happen when I did. I would be forgotten. There would be no posters, no plaques, no statues erected. They would not begin the week with a uh, Moments of silence to remember all that Mike Bowden has built into this program. <laughs> it may sound trite. I have my notes, but I wrestled with it for weeks, but it was actually more than weeks. That struggle of surrendering, even though it was a good thing, but that struggle of surrendering something that I had built it's just a small example of what Jesus was saying when he stood up and said, Seek first the kingdom of God. After all I have invested, after all we have invested into making our lives work, Jesus wants me, he wants us to surrender all that work and to seek his kingdom gets into our core. In Matthew 19, verse 16 and 22 through 22, you don't have to turn there, a young wealthy man came to Jesus and asked how he could, internal, how he could inherit eternal life. And after some discussion, if you remember this story, those of you who do, Jesus said, "What? Well, go and sell all that you have. Seems a little extreme there. Jesus said, go and sell all you have. And it says he walked away sorrowfully because he owned a lot. And here's the problem. He owned a lot and he was very attached to it. 
Here is a truth that takes a lifetime to comprehend. Jesus is inviting us to a better way to live. Let me say it again. It's a truth that takes a lifetime to comprehend and understand. Jesus is inviting us to a better way to live. Our heads agree, oh sure, seek first the kingdom of God. The wealthy man agreed until it confronted his own kingdom. As the minutes tick through our days, we are confronted. My rival kingdom or the kingdom of God? I think almost often, almost unaware, we respond, or maybe often totally unaware, we respond, not yet. This area of my kingdom can go, but not this area of my kingdom. Not this area of control. I'm still getting too much out of it. I'm not yet convinced that your kingdom is better for me. But Jesus, he sees the beauty of life in the kingdom. He knows in the kingdom there is peace and there is joy. Jesus knows the Father. He knows that the Father is loving and good and kind. He knows that the Father takes pleasure in caring for the needs of his children. Jesus also sees what is missed when rival kingdoms entice us and capture our attention. And so he says, seeing the destruction of our own kingdoms in our lives and seeing the beauty of God's kingdom, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Put first things first, and second things are thrown in. Put second things first, and we tend to lose both the first things and the second things. Jesus seems rather emphatic that his kingdom needs to be sought after with a lot of intention in a way that it becomes a conscious, first-level, first-order way of life. So as we look back, we won't turn there, but as we look back at the Matthew 6 context that we read earlier, the kingdom of the world convinced those that did not know God to merely seek after material things. And this world kingdom was also influencing God's people. And so it was leading God's people into a lot of anxiety about a lot of things, just seeking after the material things. If they could catch a vision for life in the kingdom and seek the kingdom with intention, instead of all this anxiety, they would experience shalom. Shalom is what we see missing in the context. We see a lot of anxiety but what's missing is shalom. God's kingdom is a place of shalom. So what is shalom? 
not just peace as in the present or in, as in the absence of war, which we maybe know the verse, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which we could pray for, especially now as there's war going on, but it's not just talking about an absence of war when we pray for peace. Rather, it's, it's a sense of wholeness, a sense of well-being with God. A lot of what we call spiritual disciplines are actually practices to restore and develop, develop shalom in us. Practicing Sabbath, prayerfulness, meditating on scripture, silence and solitude, going away on spiritual retreat, confession. These can all help us desire God's kingdom instead of our own and develop a growing sense of relational well-being with God. These all help develop within us shalom. The rival kingdoms, my kingdom, the world's kingdom, cannot offer this deep sense of shalom. It may be able to offer other things, but it cannot offer to us this deep sense of shalom. Earlier in Matthew 6, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. We know this prayer, many of us do, but let me read it to you. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, we could say, in me, in us, as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us and deliver us from evil. This is a prayer for shalom. This is an invitation to a better life. A 16th century German theologian wrote, God is at home. It is we who have gone for a walk. We leave, we roam, building our own kingdoms, and God is inviting. Come home. Find me. Be with me. Let me care for you. Experience my shalom. I wonder if Jesus had David's Words from Psalm 27.4 in mind when he gave his Matthew 6.33 invitation. First, let's listen to David's context in Psalm 27, verse 2 through 3. <clears throat> when evil doers assail me to eat up my flesh, that sounds unpleasant. <clears throat> when evil doers assail me to eat up my flesh, my, advers my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. In Matthew 6, the world's kingdom was creating anxiety. In Psalm 27, the world's kingdom was producing or creating fear. The world and its evil, its adversaries, the feeling of being surrounded by enemies, 
had the potential of producing fear. So what does David seek? This is what he writes in Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I've asked of the Lord, this is what I will seek. Doesn't that sound a lot like what Jesus said? We could kind of maybe paraphrase that a little bit like, this is what I'm going to seek first. And this is what he prays. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord, which we could say, it doesn't just mean going to church, okay? Or that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, or that I may enjoy his presence all the days of my life. And interestingly, then he says, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And if you think about it, he's surrounded by enemies, and he wants to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And here's one thing about beauty. There's no power in beauty. It seems a little silly to gaze on beauty when you're surrounded by your enemies. And then he says to meditate in his temple. To get to know him, to get to know God through prayerfulness, through silence and solitude, through quiet, through his word, enjoying his presence, slowing down to admire his beauty, spending time to get to know him through quiet, through prayer, through his word. These are all qualities of the kingdom. These are places of shalom. So let's explore this word shalom a little more. Get a drink of water first. In the book of Exodus, we know that Moses was trained and educated in Egypt. God had a work for Moses to do, but it, he wasn't ready. Moses was still too full of Egypt. And it took 40 long years in the wilderness for this transformation to take place. Carrying Egypt, when I'm carrying Egypt for Moses, I have the answers. I have the strength. I have the power. I have the riches. I have the influence. This was the kingdom that was established in Moses. So Moses needed a transformation. Otherwise, he would carry his own ways, his own kingdom right back, his own way of doing things right back to Egypt. So it took 40 years till Moses was re ready to carry a different kingdom. In Exodus Four, Moses asks his father-in-law, Jethro, for release. Can I go? Can I go to Egypt? And listen to what Jethro says to him. Just three words. You don't have to turn there. At least three words in English. Jethro says to Moses, go in shalom. Go in the wholeness of God. Go complete in him. Go in an unbroken relation with him. One Jewish linguist saying of the Hebrew of that day could very well have meant this. Go as a leader 
carrying God's greatness. I love that. This shalom that like, it creates like this, this cup that can be filled with God's goodness and greatness and carries that instead of trying to make it happen. Psalm 73 doesn't tell us about shalom. Instead, we watch the process. I'm not going to read the whole psalm. But Asaph writes this. I was envious when I saw the wicked, the wicked prosper. What was happening is that Asaph was doing all the, seemed like he was being faithful, and yet the evil people out there, they were doing better than he was. And so it creates within him this envy. And he finally says, in vain have I, have I kept my heart clean. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> you see others prospering, doing well around you, and you're, you're trying harder, you're being the good person, and they're doing better. And he says, in vain have I kept my heart clean. And then he says this, when my heart was embittered, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you, towards God. And then verse 17, I love this verse. I won't project it, but I love this verse, 27 verse 4. It says, until I entered the sanctuary of God. Again, that doesn't always just mean until I went to church, but until I did some things and came back into God's presence. In God's, in the sanctuary, he was reoriented towards God's kingdom. He was reoriented back to a place of shalom. And so, listen to his words of shalom. Verses 23 through 28. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Wow, can you feel the difference? <laughs> my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my por portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, but you but put an end to everyone wait, you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. What do we hear? What do we notice in that contrast before, between where he began and where he ends? In this kingdom of the world, there's envy, there's comparing, there's complaining, there's anger, there's bitterness. But when he enters into the sanctuary and he's reoriented back to the kingdom of God, there's shalom. There's wholeness, there's rest. He's at peace, there's presence, there's settledness. He feels protected. Again, as you read through there, it's, you, can, uh, you can feel the difference. It's palpable how different between one way, the, the world's kingdom and what it does in us, and being reoriented back into God's kingdom where we find shalom. What was one of the purposes of the Sabbath? A 
time to be restored back to Shalom. I don't want to say it was the only purpose, but I think it's one of the main purposes of the Sabbath was to be restored back to Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. I don't know if you've ever been to a Jewish synagogue, but as you walk into a synagogue, they greet each other with Shabbat Shalom, and as they leave the synagogue, they, what, say, what's the opposite of greeting? Uh, say goodbye to, or whatever, uh, or bless each other again with Shabbat Shalom. So what does that mean, Shabbat Shalom? Shabbat is Sabbath, or stop. Shalom means peace or wholeness. So it's, they're saying to each other, in your stopping, in your ceasing, May you be restored. May your soul be restored back into a place of wholeness. Back, may you find that shalom. There's been a lot of books come out lately in the area of neuroscience. There's a term called neurotheology, the study of the brain and how God has wired and designed our brains. And in these books, a lot of them are saying that our brains are actually wired for joy. We don't have to try to create it, that our, our brains are actually wired for joy. I would propose that our souls are designed for shalom. We long for it. We're in a good place when we're in shalom, a place of shalom. Not a stoic dismissal of emotions. Let me say that again to us Swedish background people here. Not a stoic dismissal of emotions. Not a denial of difficulties. Not a mere optimistic way of looking at things. But a deep sense of shalom. Jesus, in his final days on earth, said to his disciples in John 14, 27, And if we, have, we need to understand Jesus was a Jew, and there's debate whether he spoke Hebrew or Aramaic, but he would have definitely grasped this whole idea of shalom. So he stands and he says to his disciples, shalom I leave with you, my shalom. Not as the world gives. You can't get this from the world. Let not your hearts be troubled or afraid. In John 16, 32, Jesus says to, my, to his disciples, you're all going to be scattered and leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. That is shalom. And out of this shalom, Jesus then says to his his disciples in John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have, what? Shalom. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world's kingdoms. In me you will find shalom. Boy, that just feels good to the soul to think about it. Throughout Scripture, we hear God's desire for us. This is what I want to do. 
I want to build my kingdom in you. I want to make you more and more like my son. I want you to know my shalom. Jesus is inviting us to a better way to live. Seek first the kingdom of God. So three ways to pray. God, help me to desire your kingdom over my own. That's a big one. If we really begin to take some time with this, again, we'll see how invested we are in our own kingdom. So God, help me to desire your kingdom over my own. Second, and these will come out in the, um, in the not the gems, but the, the sermon application questions, okay? So you'll, you'll get these later as well. God, reveal my, attach, my attachments to my own kingdom and help me to embrace the beautiful realities of your kingdom. We're not going to let go of these things unless we have a clear vision of the beauty of the kingdom that God is inviting us to. And third, God, help me know you and to experience your kingdom quality of shalom and to carry your shalom into the world. What is the world looking for? Not just a resolution of conflict. Shalom. Well-being. Relational wholeness, completeness with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's listening to this. Lord, I thank you for even leading me to this to, to speak on. Lord, this area of shalom, I just sense a deep invitation in my own life. And so, Lord, may we be aware of our kingdom, not so we can be condemned, but rather so that we can understand the depth of actually what our own rival kingdoms the effect it has on us and the results in what we miss when we don't just willingly surrender to you. Lord, give us will, uh, willingness rather than willfulness. And Lord, there's areas that we're willing to surrender and others areas that we're not yet convinced that your way really is a better way. So, Lord, do that work in us. Help us, Lord. Have mercy on us. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.
also speaking at uh, Converge, so I got to go, but the Lord's blessings. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.